Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Mandy. And this is Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. Hi there, welcome back to Love Sober, the podcast for the sober and sober curious. And today is episode 101. We've passed the 100 mark, which is very exciting. Um, and we, yeah, we're really, really excited to talk to our guest today, who is Lenise Brothers, who um, runs the Instagram page called Eat, Mo- Love, Move, and also the Period Story podcast. Uh, Lenise is a nutritionist specializing in hormones, women's cycles, and menstrual, menstrual health. Um, and it's been really interesting to kind of follow her. And it's been really helpful to follow her as a woman to kind of understand my own um, period health, really, and how to sort of support myself. And obviously, Kate um, is really interested to talk about kind of the perimenopausal menopausal question for women and and a lot of women reached out to us in our group about this subject and were like oh please ask her please can you ask her does she know why this is happening to me so yeah we're gonna uh, dive into a few questions in a moment but um we always start by checking in and saying hi so hi Linise, how are you doing yeah great thanks for having me today Oh, pleasure. Um, and you're in London, right? I am, yeah. Sun, it's sunny here today, which is always a bonus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Kate, how are you doing? Um, I'm a bit stressed today because, <laughs> um, you know, the best laid plans and all that. And um, they've been tag teaming me. When I say they, I mean my children in terms of who's going to kind of go, oh, I'm really poorly. And I know, you know, it's like, I know I should be all like really sympathetic, but I'm really annoyed about it. So I've got to go and I've got to go about and have a three hour round trip or something to go and get my son in a minute from school because apparently I shouldn't have sent him in. So, um, yeah, I've I've got to go and get him. It makes me sound awful, doesn't it? But he's fine today, but we've been extra careful, right? So, yeah. Yeah. So how are you, Mandy? Yeah, a little bit the same. Um, Wednesdays is, yeah, my kids have a half day and I've, my son came into me at like, it's the best laid plans, isn't it? My son came into me about 10 o'clock last night and was like, I remember I've got a badminton competition, so you need to come pick me up from school. And I was like, excuse me, what? Sorry, what? (laughs) Sorry, your new school, which is like half an hour away. And I've got a client appointment at the same time. And there's no bus. And like, what are you talking about? Why are we having this conversation at 10 o'clock at night? Um, So, yeah, so I've had to sort of change all my plans um, too. So there we go. Mothering in... Mm keeping it real yeah uh, and Lenise you were saying that your your kid your kids will be off next week for half term yeah so. yeah my son he'll be off um from Friday for a two-week half term so yeah that will be nice to spend some time together and um yeah kind of get out of our little post-lockdown school routine and just kind of explore London as much as we can right now yeah. <laughs> how old is your son He's seven. Oh, Oh, bless him. Yeah. So, you know, this is a a sobriety podcast. um, And as Mandy said, we are so interested to talk about 
you know, the female experience in general, which seems to have been largely left out of the sobriety conversation for many, many, many years in terms of our bodies and our hormones. So super excited and interested to talk to you. Um, but before we, we sort of delve in specifically to that, we always ask guests to tell us a little bit about what brought you to be alcohol free. Like what's, what's your journey? Yeah. So, um, I stopped drinking, um, it'll be it'll be two years at the end of at the end of the year no actually yeah two years I stopped it, oh my gosh sorry it's three <laughs> it'll be three years at the end of the year oh wow yeah, yeah. yeah. so I when I grew up I didn't my parents didn't really drink so it was kind of not something that was around um, when I was growing up, but then I went to high school and then I went to boarding school and it became one of those sneaky little things that you did. And I'm, so I'm Canadian and Canadians tend to have a different relationship with alcohol than Brits. And so it's not really, when I went to university, of course there was binge drinking. Cause that's kind of what you, that's like the, almost the universal, uh, Western, um, experience, you know, you binge drink, uh, go to parties and all of that. But then I moved to the UK and I remember when I came here, I was so surprised. It was kind of, you go to the pub after work, you don't eat, you just, you maybe have some crisps and then you, you know, and then you end up getting really drunk. And I, for the first kind of five years that I was here, it was very much a kind of, I would drink with friends and I would drink when we were out and it was kind of like, I couldn't manage my alcohol intake. But then as I got older and my I started to get more senior in my career in advertising, I found that I was using wine, red wine specifically, as a coping tool. So it's kind of, it was caffeine to wake up, lots of coffee. And then by the end of the day, I would be, you know, opening up a bottle of wine. And there was about two years where I was working in between London and Paris. Every week I would spend two, two or three days in Paris, then get the Eurostar back to London. And that's what I did every, for, every week for two years. And it was very, very stressful because I was running two teams. I was, I was like really senior on this massive account. And it was just, I found that I was using alcohol more and more, specifically red wine. And for me, it was always, I love the taste of red wine. So it wasn't like I was drinking and like drinking it mindlessly. I love. Uh, even now I can like taste it like my favorite red wine my mouth is watering <laughs> I love the way that it tastes but it was getting to the point where I could just drink a bottle no problem and I then got pregnant so that put a stop to all of my drinking and then I had my son and I didn't really go back to the way I was drinking before because you know the first year of motherhood is just sleep and a hangover no sleep and a hangover is just a horrific combination and um I but then I went back to work and then I was studying at the same time 
working freelance in advertising and it was very stressful. So I found that I was having that kind of glass of wine and looking forward to that glass or two of wine at the end of the day. And I always felt like it was manageable. But then it just started getting, you know, more and more. And I would, I remember this one time, my son had gone to bed. I was sitting on the sofa with my husband. He not a really, he's not a big drinker. Like he'll have a beer or two and be fine. I was always the big drinker in our relationship. And I had opened up a bottle of wine. We had been a part of this wine subscription club, Naked Wines. So all of my favorite, my favorite Shiraz was there. I had like five bottles of it wet, ready. Um, and then I found, I was just, we were watching something and I was just drinking, drinking. And I found that, oh, the bottle's, the bottle's empty. But I was still watching the show that I wanted to watch and I was really relaxed. Then I got another bottle and I was just drinking, drinking. And then it was one in the morning. I was so drunk. I was up watching the show by myself and I was like, what am I doing? And it was kind of, I have never had, I've never had a kind of dramatic drinking. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've done stupid stuff, but nothing dramatic. Like I've crashed the car. It was more like drinking and that moment made me realize that I was not going to be a good mom to my son the next, like the next day, because I would be hungover. I would be rude, snappy, and not really bringing my best energy to being a mother. And it was a moment where I just thought, I, I don't want to live like this anymore. But then it wasn't like I stopped drinking straight away. It was very, I tried to kind of do it really gradually. It didn't really work for me. So then I said, okay, well, could I just do, stop drinking for a month? And then I did a month and I found actually it was okay. The biggest thing for me was the social aspect. People are very judgmental, as you guys probably know and hear. (laughs) (laughs) When you stop drinking, they think it is, they take it as a judgment on them. And I've had friendships where they, I, have been when I think about it I'm shocked at how much they've changed since I've stopped drinking so I've have a couple of friends where it we would always go out and it was you know we just drink and it would be so much fun we go dancing and as soon as I said you know I don't drink anymore it was are you sure or can't I just give you one you know you can just have one and I was like no I just I need to do this for my health and um it really changed our friendship. And like, there are people, these people are, it's never been the same because they just took it really personally that I, that I stopped drinking. And it's quite sad because I think the fact that I don't, three years in, I still haven't drunk anything. It's a real, for me, it's a real triumph and it's changed my life in so many ways. Like I, wouldn't be able to run my business the way that I do if I still drunk because I just wouldn't have the energy like doing all of this on a hangover and talking about health to people with a hangover it's just it doesn't make sense so that's my decision that was my journey to go alcohol free 
Mm. Yeah, amazing. And it's such the kind of every woman's story, you know, like it's the story that not pe- people aren't talking about. And so thank you for s- saying because it's I mean, it resonates so much with both Kate and I's experience, I think. And especially for me, that love, love affair with red wine, you know, I mean, I live in France and it was like a relationship and it was a something that I valued. And it's hard to break down that and, and also that judgment from others. And it's like, hang on, this is something to be proud of. And like, look how well I'm doing and how good I feel. And, and why can't you see that? And And I guess that's why we always kind of say, like, you know, you have you have your safe people and then you have the outside world and then you have your sober community, which is like the people that are always going to like, you know, three years is amazing. So we will give you big props. So (laughs) well done. I mean, it's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't know if Kate, you have anything to add in? Well, I was going to say, you know, obviously there's the motherhood piece there that was a big motivator. And part that's part of our, you know, female experience. But I was, you know, because you um, you work with periods, menstrual health, you know, this side. I was wondering if we could dive into that. You know, why the period story podcast? Uh, first of all, yeah. Why did I? Why did I start it? Yeah. So I think it's really kind of almost similar to what you're doing. You know, you you hear if you think about birth and. You have, you know, hear so many birth stories, you know, uh, people aren't shy, women aren't shy about sharing their birth stories, especially if they're bad, you know, they're not shy. And what you're doing and kind of shedding a light on people's sober stories, I think is really important. And that's what I wanted to do with my podcast, Period Story, get women um, talking about their first period and their their journey um, after that. So what what is it that you know? How do they learn about their first period? How do they learn about menstrual health? Um, and what I found is that there's so much shame in these conversations. There's so many. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of there's this stigma that we learn from quite young because of you know things that we've learned from uh, our mothers or women in our lives or even the cultural stories that we learn about periods it's like oh it's dirty or smelly or it's something to hide so that's why I started my podcast to really shed a light on these stories and make it make it normal Mm, yeah 100% and it's interesting isn't it because I'm going through that with we have girls of a certain age don't we so we have like conversations to be had and it's yeah it's it's almost like that checking checking your bias checking your own story and being really careful you know like I've said some things and just gone hang on I've you know I might made I might even have made a joke and then I'm like where did that joke come from like I'm not even sure that's why so I just I love what you're saying about that about being able to talk about that and what about um you know this kind of the idea of the hormonal piece and how that fits with sobriety and our wellness because we I mean I noticed I thought PMT didn't exist I thought people were being dramatic because and I think it's because I was always pissed right when I had periods so I didn't even know it existed I thought it was a hangover when I stopped drinking I was like holy mother of god 
I feel rough as and I don't want to speak to anyone. And it was like, who knew, right? So I did the sisterhood a real disservice all those years. So I'm really interested in what your take is on how that interplays, you know, what kind of trigger it is and what, what how, yeah, the relationship there. Yeah, so it's really interesting because um, with with alcohol, so as we go into the second half of our menstrual cycle after ovulation, we have um, a rise in progesterone, which is our calming hormone, and then we have a second rise in estrogen, which is our home, like our kind of female hormone. It also gives us lots of energy. But if you don't fertilize an egg, that cycle, both of those hormones drop. And then alongside of that, what some women find is they also have a drop in serotonin. And so they're looking for things that will make them feel good. And if you typically use alcohol as a coping mechanism or you've associated, I when I drink, I feel good, then that's probably something that you're going to gravitate towards um, during the end of your menstrual cycle where your serotonin is lower, your estrogen is lower, your progesterone has dropped. And so you're looking, you're looking for things to kind of fill that gap. Um, the, that's also why some women, they gravitate towards eating things like bread, pasta, rice, because those make you feel good. Um, sugar, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. It activates the dopamine receptors in our brain and that makes us feel good. So if that's something, if you find that that's something that you gravitate towards when at the end of your menstrual cycle before your period, it's really about looking at, okay, what are the things that I can have instead? So you look at the way that you're eating and just making sure that every single meal that you eat, you're eating really nourishing foods do you start with breakfast are you just having like a slice of toast for breakfast okay well what can you add to that slice of toast so that it makes you feel good and it keeps you going all the way through to lunchtime because that's where I find where people don't eat enough then their blood sugar drops and then they start to look for these things that make them feel good so if you have that toast maybe you add some almond butter to it maybe you add some sliced bananas maybe you add some sliced figs because it's fig season right now um you know you go really go to town because you can really do a lot with toast or porridge or a smoothie whatever you have for breakfast really look at you start with that meal and you really look at how can you make that as nourishing as possible so that you know that you've got what you need from food. It's not fuel. It's something that really nourishes you. Um, And then you take it meal by meal. And that's an approach that I really like to take when it comes to, especially kind of PMS time where there's this drop in hormones and it can lead to a lot of other issues for, for women, cravings being one of them. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I love, I mean, I get so excited when we start talking about food, sort of the the body up approach, I suppose, you know, looking at your neurotransmitters, looking at um, GABA levels, serotonin levels, and how you can get that. I mean, I know 
very little and so that I think that's why it's like even more like ping because I'm like mm. I want to know more I'm writing it down like how can I sort of because I wrote I, down I, pimp my toast <laughs> brilliant and <laughs> you're like not taking away you're not saying oh you've got to do this you've got to totally change everything and overwhelm people it's that very adding in like how can I add in the good stuff I'm not going to take stuff away from you which very much appeals right absolutely I think when you're especially if you're you're already on the server journey you don't want to get into a place where it's you're it's deprivement you don't want to deprive yourself even further even though you know removing alcohol isn't about depriving it's so so beneficial in so many ways but I love talking about how can I add things in because our culture tells women especially that we need to restrict ourselves that we need to make ourselves smaller and I don't ever want to contribute to that conversation unless it's for a very specific reason you know like I work with a lot of women who have things like Hashimoto's which is an autoimmune thyroid disease and in that case we have to have a conversation about taking out gluten we have to have a conversation about sugar or dairy but it's very very specific in general it's always about what can we add in yeah and I mean, what's the, if people are listening and they're like, hashtag me, um, going, hmm, maybe I've got something, something autoimmune or ha- what's the first step to kind of try to, you know, look at your nutrition and look at what's going on in your, your body health? Yeah. So I would say that you, you want to take it day by day. You want to take it meal by meal. So it's a similar, a, a similar in the way that you look at your sobriety you know, a lot of people it's in the beginning, it's literally hour by hour. So Mm. it's take it meal, meal my meal, understand how you're, how you're feeling, how food makes you feel. You would, if you track your sobriety, so a lot of, there's a lot of apps, it's the same sort of principle with your, your period. You can track your menstrual cycle, track how you feel. And then over time, you start to see patterns you'll see oh okay right after um right after ovulate I notice that I feel um like this or during day I feel uh, different on day three of my period you start to see patterns and then you take those patterns and you can say okay this is actually what's going on for me rather than guessing and then you can take all of that to a doctor or to a healthcare provider. And it's empower. I, I love the idea of women. I love it when women have a really empowered conversation with their healthcare provider, um, rather than saying, going in and saying, I feel like this. It's kind of, and then you're kind of like, okay, well, tell me more. You, you have that more. You have that ability to say, I feel like this on this day. And then I've, this has been happening for X number of months. So you go in and you're more in control of your health and you know the questions that you want to ask and you know the outcome that you want to get from that situation. Mm. I love yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, because, yeah, because what I remember you, 
some posts of yours where it was just like this is what you know a healthy period is like you know and it shouldn't hurt and it shouldn't be you know this color and these things there's like real sort of uh, sort of things that none of us know really and we just we hold these but I mean I remember my one of my best friends she used to pass out you know at school when we were younger from her period and it was just stuff we just like oh she passes out you know she can't and it's like we we don't have the education or the kind of vocabulary to go right actually let's track this and look at this and go what's what's healthy what's not so that's why I I absolutely love your we share it all the time in our group your page because it just mm. is so informative and breaks it down in a way that that is empowering us to actually take control of our own sort of cycle which I think's incredible. Mm. And what about um for the uh, hashtag me for the peri perimenopause, are there any kind of broad kinds of guidelines of how maybe we can help? Yeah, help with those, some of those because that's another thing that's coming up on our group quite a lot as well. Yeah, so perimenopause is where you know there are there are over a hundred different symptoms associated with perimenopause, and I'd say that the first thing you want to do is again track what you're experiencing, track your symptoms. And then if you start to notice that you've, you're experiencing these symptoms all throughout your cycle, then that is a sign of perimenopause. Whereas typically the symptoms might be um, more confined to seven to 10 days before your period. If it's all throughout, then you know it's something to look deeper into. But I think what's really important with perimenopause, it is still an opportunity to set great foundations as you go into the menopause because the conversation in the UK around menopause is opening up quite dramatically there's more conversations about it and it's becoming a much diverse conversation but I think it's really important to if you have the opportunity in your 20s 30s 40s before you go through this to really look at the foundations of your health um and change the way you eat, look at your drinking, look into the way that you move your body, then you are setting yourself up for a better menopause mm-hmm. where it doesn't hit you like a like a freight truck. Um, yeah. So what can you do when you go to peri- when you get into peri- perimenopause? Well, firstly, just so I mentioned tracking, but then it's also again looking at your lifestyle looking at how you manage stress that's a that's a huge huge one because you as you as we get older we stop producing as much estrogen through our ovaries and we start to produce a different weaker form from um, these little glands above our kidneys called the adrenals and if you're producing if you're in a constant state of stress because we produce cortisol from those same glands that's going to have an effect on the amount of estrogen that other form of estrogen that you're producing so really looking at your stress is really an, an important one and it's hard because when you get into your 40s you get to a point where you feel like okay I've got this you know I you know things that used to bother me in my 20s and 30s I don't care about those things anymore. You know, you feel like this kind of, you get it. And then all of a sudden 
your body, you feel like you lose control of your body and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that way, but it can take time. And it's about being really gentle with yourself. Mm, Yeah. And you, I mean, you practice yoga specifically for menstrual health too. So there's certain positions, certain ways that you can kind of uh, stretch and things like that. So you know, if people are listening, like definitely check out your videos and, and the stuff that you do, because you can really sort of, you know, I didn't even know, I didn't even know that you can move around, you know, kind of pain, essentially, and and things with with movement. So how did you get to this point? So you were working in marketing, you know, kind of, or advertising, you know, executive position. Um, what what yeah what was the pivot point and and how did you end up doing what you're doing now so I had my son and I just I had got to the point where I was doing all this travel so it was going between Paris and London every week and then I was working in a global role so it was just traveling all the time and you know these it's they always sound so glamorous on the surface. It's like, oh, tell me about your air miles. Tell me about the business class travel. But what they don't, they don't want to know is how you're up in a hotel room, like, you know, in New York, which is supposed to be glamorous, at 2 a.m. working on a presentation, you know, on PowerPoint. They don't want to hear about the super early starts to travel to the an airport and sit in a, in, like you know, sit, sit in like a little car. Anyway, I just got, I had, I had had enough of it and I had my son and I just thought, I don't want to live like this. I don't want to be this type of mom where I, my, a nanny is bringing up my child. Um, you know, no, all respect to women who do make that choice, but that wasn't my choice, a choice that I wanted to make. So I started looking at other things looking at what else I was interested in to try to think about making a career change. And I have always been interested in health and well-being. Um, and I thought, well, could I be a personal trainer? And I thought, mm, I don't really fancy that. And uh, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't be bothered to yeah, do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I kept coming back to food and nutrition because I had always been really interested in using food to change the way that I feel. Um, And so I decided to retrain as a nutritionist. And while I was doing that, I was still freelancing in advertising. Um, So that was really interesting. And also, you know, I had a young, a young child at the time. So, um, I did that and I decided that I was going to specialize in an area that was really passionate to me because I um, had always had really painful periods, always, always. And I had used food, movement, lifestyle changes to try to change my menstrual health. And I thought, well, why don't I just do this, help women, other women do the same thing? So, yeah, so that's how I got to be doing what I do today. Amazing. And, you know, when you say I I just I really resonates with me about, you know, when you do that whole pivot and change career, when you've got young kids as well, because it's like in the middle of that, you go, what have I done? Because it gets worse before it gets better. (laughs) You said you're like, you've got a job. 
and your training what have I done but then it comes good and yeah yeah Yeah. okay I'm conscious of time because I know you've got you've got another appointment so um obviously we we talked about uh food yoga what other things do you add in for your self-care practices to keep you emotionally and physically well um definitely breathing so I like to think of breathing as one of our superpowers because it really has the ability to help you shift your state quite quickly. Um, and it, it, it's not necessarily about sitting on a mat or sitting on a, a cushion and, you know, going into kind of cross-legged position and, you know, doing like an ohm. It can be as simple as taking a deep breath in through your nose and then a deep breath out. And you notice quite quickly, like your shoulders drop. You're just, yeah, you're, I could see, yeah, your shoulders <laughs> drop, your jaw loosens, maybe you t- your teeth move away from each other. And you just keep doing that in and out, in and out. And it's something that I find really, really powerful, especially, you know, we're living in the middle of a global pandemic. And there's so many more stressors and we our routines and our lives have changed so much over the last seven months. And I think we don't give ourselves enough credit for the fact that our lives have changed so much and we're taking on so much. And that's one way that you can just take a step back and start to see the wood for the trees. Mm, I love it. Love it. Oh, you've cheered me right up. I was well moody at the beginning of this call. <laughs> we were like, oh, we've only got a few minutes. Chat. We want to chat all day. We haven't got. But um, so, what plans have you got coming up for the future? Um, so, I have a course that I want to launch later on this year. Um, it keeps getting pushed back because my practice is keeps getting busier and busier. So I can't complain about that. Um, but I do have a course that I am planning to launch around just eating for menstrual health, you know, really doing a deep dive into the best foods to eat for each phase of your cycle and helping women understand more about their menstrual cycle um, and what's happening during each phase. Very simple course, but I feel like is information that women really, really need. Um, so, yeah, that's what kind of what I've got. And I've got more long-term plans, um, but those are more 2021. So that's where I have coming up in the next couple of months. So, and, and if people want to work with you, they can work with you one-to-one, is that right? Yeah, so they, they can contact me via uh, my website, which is eatlovemove.com. Uh, or they can email me at hello at eatlovemove.com. Okay, fantastic. So we always finish the podcast with two questions. So your tip of the day and your reason to love sober. So what would be your tip of the day? My tip of the day is to take, take each day as it comes. So a lot of us have, you know, lost, come out of our routine and what I've seen is that the, we don't have the ability to do a lot of future planning. And, you know, if you think about a lot of moms that I, I like a lot of moms that I know, 
it was a, it was always be like, oh, what are you doing in like four weekends time? And it was always that forward planning. You know, our diaries would be completely booked out and that's all gone away now. And that gives us the ability, greater ability to live in the moment, to take things hour by hour, you know, even minute by minute, day by day, meal by meal, be present, be present in your life. Stop living in the past, stop living in the future and be present with yourself. Oh, love that. That's that's like like balm kind of running over me today in my like yeah. frazzled state. And it's like honey, I love it. <laughs> <Yeah>. Thank you. <laughs> and what would be your reason to love sober? Um, so the reason I love being sober is because it's given me clarity that I was missing. It's given me. I can see myself and I can see myself who I, where I am, who I actually am uh, much better. And it's given me, it's taken away something that I used to hide behind. I used to hide behind. Oh, well, I'm, I get, I'm funny when I'm drunk. No, I'm actually funny. <laughs> I don't need to drink to be funny. Um, and so it's, that's, and just that clarity is what I absolutely love about being being sober. Mm, I love that. Oh, thank you so much. It's, I like literally don't want to stop, but no, I've got a million other questions, but we will have to plan in some. We did have some talks about planning an event and then COVID hit. So mm. watch this space. We'll try and get that. We'll try and, yeah. yeah, because you've got so much to offer and, you know, and such a brilliant skill set for women. And it's so, so, so needed. So it is. Thanks. It's so pertinent yeah. at the moment. And I think you're right. I think that conversation is really opening up um, and, and needs to. So, yeah, watch this space. And we'll link everything. Everywhere you can find Lenise, we'll, we'll link the note below in the show notes and uh yeah thank you so much thank you okay so if you're immediately concerned about your drinking um please do reach out to your healthcare provider your doctor your gp um alcohol change has lots of good um services in your local area agencies of local support or reach out online to us we're at info at lovesober.com or on our website lovesober.com you know send up a flare keep looking in different communities find your fit know that you're not alone look after yourselves and we'll see you next week for more chat bye guys